welcome to another episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. We've all decided at one point or another to leave a job that we were working at. In this episode, we will talk through reasons that led us to making that decision for new opportunities in our past jobs. But before we really jump into that episode, we also have some really exciting news. A longtime regular guest has officially decided to join us as a permanent uh, Front End Happy Hour panelist. Shirley Wu, welcome as a full-time member. Oh my god, yay! yay! That's oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> You're officially on. I think you've just had been a guest too many times. We have to keep you on forever now. Yes! So excited. Speech, speech, speech. Speech, speech. speech, speech, speech. Oh, <laughs> I just come on this show because I want to hang out with you guys. So this is all part of my plan and it all worked. It just took <laughs> a few years. That's it. <laughs> we had to test you out as a guest just enough times. It yeah. was like, wait, why aren't you just on here permanently? <laughs> I, like, I like when you ask me and then I don't think I even let you finish the sentence. I was like, yes. <laughs> it was the best. I love it. All right, well, let's go around and give introductions. Uh, Mars, you want to start off? Sure. Um, hi, I'm Mars Julian. I'm a senior front-end engineer um, working in the Bay Area, and all thoughts are my own. And I'm Stacy London. I'm a senior front-end engineer at Atlassian, and all my thoughts are Mars's. Augustus. Uh, Augustus Yoon, software engineer at Twitch.tv. Shirley. Ooh, hi. I'm Shirley Wu, and I am a data visualization designer and engineer for myself. Uh, Jem Young, senior software engineer at Netflix. Uh, all thoughts are in my upcoming book, Secrets of Front and Happy Hour, Behind the Scenes, Murder, Lies, and Mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Murder? <laughs> You'll have to buy the books. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> Not for long. <laughs> and I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix eagerly waiting my signed copy of Jem's book and likely don't want to read it, but uh, I will wait mm. for the Netflix original to come out after the book has been Ooh. made. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. And what do we decide today's keyword is? Opportunity. Ooh, opportunity. All right. If we say the word opportunity, we are all taking a drink. All right, I figured the good way to start this episode is we could start to share reasons why we would typically have left jobs. I'm assuming you've all left a job at some time or another. And yeah, why why would you leave a job? What were some of your motivations? To find a new opportunity. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. This one's pretty, pretty straightforward for me. Uh, what typically prompts me to leave a job is money. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I, every, it's true people have like all sorts of reasons but i think generally it's salary and it's not money it's what money represents which is how much you value me and what my skills bring to the company so if another company is going to value me more it's not personal it's just i'm gonna be with the, the company that says like hey you have the skill set that we value and here here's a token of that value in terms of money and that's what it represents to me I think that's well put, though, is it's not that you're like, I need more money. It's that the fact is, is you're like, this company X is saying that I'm worth this. And you're not saying that. So goodbye. I'm going to go to the, the one that's paying me more. Exactly. Yeah, it's not greed. Like, there's there's a certain amount if hopefully if you make it far enough in software engineering where you're like, yeah, like I'm making good money. I could live on this and never have to switch jobs again. Like, this is fine. I'm comfortable. But you're still if someone's going to offer you more money, you're still be like, well, 
that is that is a proxy metric for how much you value me as an employee and this company values me twice as much so i'm gonna go over there and it just makes sense yeah i, I don't want to come out cross as greedy because i am but in this particular episode <laughs> uh, i mean jeff you gotta fund the valley silicon <laughs> exactly <laughs> I try to afford my own picks. Still saving up. Still saving, Still saving for that gold toothpaste. <laughs> I don't want to come off as what I clearly am. Just want to let you all know. <laughs> but I'm straightforward. I tell you. Any, anyone else? Other reasons other than money? I mean, money is a good motivator, but there's got to be other reasons. I feel like many reasons, um, but kind of piggybacking off of what Jem said, like, it, it does come back to the value and it's not necessarily, I mean, at least reasons I've left before don't necessarily have to do with like, oh, this other job is offering me a higher salary, but more like I've been fighting to just even be recognized in my own role and valued, whether that be a promotion or um, a salary increase or equity or whatever it is. When you like, if you're fighting for so long, what's the point? after a certain point, you're like really not getting recognized or valued for the work that you're doing. And that can cause, like in the past, it's caused me to look for another job, which coincidentally leads to more money. Um, but, <laughs> um, you know, not necessarily like drawing me away from a job. Mm-hmm. There's like, there's so many factors. Like the, it, you, can cho- you can choose to leave a job. That was kind of what we were starting to talk about. But, you know, a lot of people, especially right now with the the, um, pandemic and the economy being in the way it is, a lot of us have lost a job just because of the company not doing very well. Or um, I'm sure I've talked about this on the sh- on some past episode. I've probably talked about a lot of my jobs and circumstances. But one of my first jobs that I got, where I worked at for a very long time, and I really liked working there, they just they ended up deciding that like they were spending too much money on on tech, and so they uh, like outsourced or offshored a huge number of jobs and yeah you you know you got laid off and you had to figure out the next thing so that's that's a thing as well <laughs> yeah it's that's tough that's like you don't have the choice i've only ever left two jobs quite early in my career um one that was a year and a half out of college and that one i left um mostly because there wasn't I could tell that there wasn't enough work for me that it had gone from a, like a pretty small or it's it wasn't small but it was like a 400 people company to like a 1200 people company in the year that I was there and there was like large growing pains so I think the moment I realized I needed to leave was when I spent a whole day watching binging some series and then I had one bug to fix in the morning and one bug to fix in the afternoon did both of them in 30 minutes and I was like I need to get out of here and my mom was (laughs) like why that's like you get great stock options you get great benefits like you got a good salary why would you leave and I'm like because I'm 23 and this is the time for me to hustle So true. Though I think, Shirley, you just got so pissed off at it all. You're like, screw it. I'm just going to work for myself. <laughs> no, that was the second. That was the second time I left. I mean, I can talk about the second. The second place I left was um, that one was because I um, 
had realized that I had worked so long on a part of the product that I was maintaining it instead of building. And I realized that I was like very much a building sort of person. Um, I get like the most excitement and joy out of like that first three to four months of building something and then fleshing it out and seeing it launch. Um, and that's that's essentially why I went freelance because I wanted to um, I wanted to kind of do a bunch of those sorts of projects and really figure out where my fit was. Um, and there was there was a lot of other reasons tied in there too. Um, one of them was realizing that, I uh, was working nights and weekends because of my personality. I was working nights and weekends at a startup and um, I realized that I was helping build someone else's dream. Um, and what I wanted to do was build out kind of my own dream. That's fair. I like that. That's actually a really cool reason to quit a job. I like that it. That is cool. Thank you. For me, I will agree with the value part. It's always great feeling valued. But another one that I found myself and even looking in past, like throughout my career, I often leave around the like one and a half years, two year mark. And almost every time it's a mix, but it's, it's mostly comes down to not being challenged. Like I'm not, I don't feel like I'm growing in or being challenged. It's like, I kind of know everything, which is probably not true. I don't know everything, but it's just like not getting challenged enough and, and finding new challenges, which is really funny. I've been at Netflix for five and a half years, but it, a lot of it is because I'm continually challenged with new things and, and things I'm dealing with all the time. So I like that. I'm surprised no one has brought this up and I'm going to bring it up is I have definitely left companies for because of my manager. Like that is something that is really, really tough. If you don't like your manager, that can make your life really difficult. And so there was one time in particular, I was actually writing up my resignation, didn't finish that letter um, or email or whatever it was. Um, what happened was my manager got let go that day. Uh, so it was, I didn't end up having to leave. So it kind of worked out, but I, I remember that day being like fed up. I was like, I'm done. And I started writing up the email, my manager and, and his boss and probably like HR, but I never hit send because <laughs> like my problem was gone. But I will say there's one thing I learned from that or, or when I reflect on that, and I think it's a good message to remember is like when you have problems with a manager is like one let the manager know things aren't going well, but also if they're not improving on those things, it's like you've got HR, you've got you know their manager to go talk to. And I think that's really important. That's something I didn't do. I was kind of like I was suffering in silence. And so it was so bad that I was, I'm out. You know, when I could have probably just started to surface some of these issues. And luckily the problems were there enough that this uh, manager got let go. But still, I think that was a good reminder for me that I always need to remember that. I, I, I disagree slightly with you, Ryan, which actually doesn't happen that much. But I, I think we always from a position of, uh, <laughs> we solve it over a few years later. Uh, I, I think we speak from a position of privilege where like you were my manager before and you're an amazing manager and I can always come talk to you. And my current manager is amazing. I can come talk to them. But that is not historically the case for most people. I think there's a lot of egos in tech. And if someone comes to you, uh, someone comes to their manager and says like, hey, you know, I don't think we're clicking. This isn't working out. You're just as likely to get let go. And they're like, oh, they're a bad fit. They're a bad culture fit. And I remember those days when you didn't, we didn't have the experience and the, I guess the notoriety that we do now. Like when you're just a junior developer from nothing, you might have beef with your manager or like they're just terrible and there's nothing you can do about it. 
there there are a number of jobs that I just sucked it up. That I'm like, you got to pay your dues. This person sucks. This company sucks. But you just got to put the work in so you can move on. Or and also you and you wit, you might witness people where they don't feel comfortable bringing up to their manager, but then they try and go to HR and HR doesn't help them and it makes yeah. things worse. Like that, there's there's a lot of cases where that's that's true too and it's, that sucks because they're supposed to be there for you, but it's, it's scary. I'm glad that you both kind of highlighted that though because you're right, like absolutely right, is that it's not always easy to maybe speak to your manager like that. And so, yes, like you can try that, but I think that, and unfortunately sometimes you're right, HR fails us too, but honestly, that's what HR is there for. I mean, it's better to say something to someone, right, rather than suffer in silence, or maybe I'm wrong there. Like, I mean, that was what I did, and it just worked out for me, so maybe that's uh, <laughs> that worked. So, But I think it's like it would have made me leave, and that was my reason to leave, and, and, and I don't know if that's the best. I don't – like a lot of people quit jobs because of their manager, mm -hmm. but I don't think that should be the case. And yes, Jam, if you said, hey, Ryan – you're not doing good. I would listen and I want to improve on that. I would definitely hear that out and I'm not going to hold that against someone for telling me. I encourage that and I know not all managers do that, but I think that's also where we have HR or I have a manager that, you know, my team can go speak to and say, hey, like Ryan's not doing great and, and he's not listening to my feedback and like I, I want, I actually encourage that if that ever happens, but yeah, it's tough. I realize that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of gradient of good to bad managers because this is one of my biggest pet peeves for tech where like good ICs get promoted to manager and they're not necessarily good managers. Ooh, yeah. And that's my like I really or bad ICs that get promoted to a manager and they're like even worse managers. Those are my pet peeves. But um, I think one of the there's there's like a few pieces of advice that people shared with me that I wanted to share today. Um, and one of my favorite ones was when um, I was in a situation where I did not get along with my manager. And I think there was just like a lot of trust issues that like neither of us really worked on from the very beginning. There was a, like also some problems with teammates and they got so bad at a point that um, I really did not want to stay and I think um, but then I kind of worked through it because I liked the project that I was like I basically suffered through it like you said because at the very least I really liked the project and the product that I was working on and when I was leaving um, I really liked what someone said to me, like a mentor in that company said to me, and she said something along the lines of, Shirley, I'm really glad that you're leaving because you're going towards something and not because you're, um, or you're running, that you're running towards something and not because you're running away from something. Um, and that, that would like, um, you know, that would make my next experience better than if I was just running away. Yeah, that's, True. Like it is, it's better. It's always better to be like excited about the next thing rather than just be like, I need to get the hell out of here. Right. <laughs> yeah. Although I wouldn't recommend suffering through it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, especially like, yeah. cause for me, at least I had the like technical project side that really kept me going. Like I wouldn't recommend suffering through it if there's like absolutely nothing keeping you there. Um, but if I guess if you are in a situation where you could, I guess that advice was really helpful to me. I actually kind of want to talk about that because I feel like a lot of people who love their jobs, like if you're one of the fortunate people who 
is exploring dun, 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 opportunities <laughs> cheers. cheers i was cheers. like oh, golly geez cheers yeah if you're if you're in that fortunate position um it can be really hard to want to to leave you know you have you have this new job offer and you but you love your company so much i, I feel like that's why actually i stayed at my first job evernote for so long um it was just like so hard to leave because you like you love the product you love your team and that's like what kept me there for so long um but so i love that you brought that up Shirley, because i think one of the reasons why i left which is kind of i don't know if it i don't know i i don't regret it but it was just like i wanted to try something new you know i wanted to explore something totally new um i i like Evernote was the only infrastructure that I was really familiar with, and it's like their process of doing things, um, and it's just like really exciting to like see like hear about Twitch. It's acquired by Amazon. They use AWS. Evernote used Google Cloud Platform. So it's just like I just felt, and it, it was it's crazy because at Evernote, I don't for people who followed on in the podcast, I got promoted to senior, and I I, I got reevaluated as a normal software engineer, but. In my mind, like the the career growth that I can get from trying out a new company and exploring a new tech stack, a new process, like that's that's really what led me to leave. Augustus, now looking at that decision, since it's still like fresh in your head a bit, do you think you stayed too long at Evernote and should have jumped sooner? Oh, that's so tough. That that's such a tough question. I I feel like uh, that's such a tough question. I personally. I don't regret how long I stayed at Evernote um, I because, you know, Ryan and I, we used to work together on a marketing website and, you know, I really stuck through it and that's what allowed me to transition to Evernote web client. So that's what really gave me like more experience to work on a web application, which is very different from marketing websites. Uh, but the, but, the, but the, the truth is like if I left earlier, maybe I could have got that experience somewhere else. So that's why it's so hard to say, you know, um, I, I'm really torn if like I should have left earlier or whatever, but no regrets is my takeaway. No, I think that's fair. <laughs> I ask because I, I sometimes wonder like, you know, when do you start to realize it's time, right? Like it's, it's like there's these signals and you may know it. Like even for me, like going back to the example of like, hey, this manager is so frustrating. It wasn't like it was just like one incident, right? Like it wasn't like I'm done. It's like, it's a buildup of all these instances and at Augustus, you're like, I need this new challenge or I need these new, like, try something different. And it's probably been stemming for a while. And like Mars, it said, like, I loved what you said, too, is like, ah, something prompted me and I started looking and then it was like, ooh, I saw what was out there. It's like a shiny new thing and I jumped for it. I always kind of wonder, like, how long does it really take? Like, I feel like I've never really thought about it, but I feel like it's probably, it's not just like a week that you've now decided you're on to the next role. It's probably building up over months. No, I would have to say, like, I completely agree. Like, my gut says it probably takes, you know, at least six months. I think there's one, there's the, like, step where you actually realize what's going on. You're like, oh, I, I am unhappy or um, I need to look for new career growth or, or something. There's the, like, point where it goes from kind of, not exactly knowing what's going on to like being aware of what you need to do to change your circumstances that would make you happier. And then there's the whole, which, which takes a while sometimes. Um, and then there's the whole search itself, which, you know, could take, could take months. I, I think it's generally like six months a year. It, it's like, it's enough time to figure out Mars. Like you're saying, it's enough time to figure out 
the system and the company and what you're doing. And you're not, you're not just like deer in the headlights running around like, ah, what am I doing? I'm an imposter. I don't belong here that you figured out. You're like, oh, I do belong here. I got it down. And this isn't for me. It's and Ryan, just like you said earlier, it's about a year, year and a half to two years is usually, I think when most people bail, because that's the amount of time you're like, oh, I figured this out. Then we'll see how it goes. And then it takes another few months to find a job and you're on to the next one. That's, I think it's pretty common. Yeah, I guess I was thinking more six months of like the actual leaving process. And you could oh, have yeah. been there for many okay. years beforehand, but like it takes you a while to realize like that you're not happy wherever you are, however long you've been there, and then actually moving on to the next opportunity. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Really, it's all a balance, right? It's it's pros and cons, and you're constantly balancing them every day. So, for instance, uh, I don't, Stacey, you're at a company, and the work is really interesting but your manager is terrible. So you're like, hmm. But they're like, hey, we're going to give you a raise. You're like, okay, I'll stay. But the manager gets even more terrible for some reason. And then, and it, you're just like constantly balancing this. Fortunately, even now it's like, well, I like this company and the work's interesting, but do the company's values align with my own? No, then then you leave. And that's pretty much what it always is. It's It's not just money. Like money will keep you there longer, but it's just another side of the equation along with, growth potential, work, management style, culture, just tech stack even, um, just lots of different things go into it. It's not uh, it's not one thing. And I, I joked about money in the beginning because I think that's the way a lot of managers see it. It's like, oh no, this person just wanted more money. When it's like more than that, I've definitely seen people that were worth a lot more stay at a company because I really because they really believed in the company and they liked the work. And I'm like, dude, you can go work for Google or something like that and make four times this. I'm like, no, I, I like the work. It's, it's good. I, money's not everything. It's just like, it's so reductionist to like boil everything down to they were greedy and they wanted more money when mm -hmm. there's so much more to it. Granted, money is important. Like you got bills to pay. Yeah. Like one, one time uh, as an example, I, I wanted to leave because it was, there's no work-life balance whatsoever. It was like on call all the time, getting woken up every night, things were breaking, no sleep, um, tons of overtime, like weekends, nighttime, you know, and like basically no, you know, just burnout, burning out, like in, in the, in the sense of just so many hours and not getting good sleep. And so I had enough and I was like, and they, and over time it was like, it wasn't just a, you know, a couple of weeks of that where it was like a, a very extended period of time and seeing that the, the management and the leadership were not going to address it. They were not going to get hire enough people or address the root causes of the problems that were causing these things to happen over and over. So like with all of those things, like not being addressed eventually, it was like, no, I can't, I can't do this. The worst part was when I put my notice in one of the, um, leadership folks that I met with, um, on kind of like exit interview kind of stuff. They're like, well, you know, is, is it more money? Do you just, do you need more money? And I'm like, no amount of money will keep me from not sleeping anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and good for you okay. too to stick to that too. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's it's funny as you both mentioned like the money aspect too. I think you can always go get more money, like for real. Like let's just picture that as like you're even if you're paid really well at almost at like the top of market. Um, I do think you can go to the next company. They want to sweeten the pot a little bit, right? They're gonna bump your pay. Like if you're like, I get paid x and they're going to be like well we're going to give you x plus 10 you know like they're just going to sweeten the pot a little bit so i think there's always you can go around chasing more and more and i but i think it's like 
it can't just be about money. Like, I think it is like more, you need all the factors. It's like, you need to feel valued, which could be the money aspect. Um, you need to be challenged. Uh, you definitely need good coworkers and, and a good manager, good culture. And you got to like, like what you're building, working on. Like there, there's a lot of things that kind of go into that too. So I wonder a little bit, um, totally like agree with what you're saying, but I do wonder a little bit if this is kind of the privilege of being in Silicon Valley, like not just the privilege of being a like engineer, like a software engineer, because that's already like such a huge privilege. Sometimes I think about like my parents work um, and the complete disconnect we have because they like were like, why? Like they they didn't fully understand why I would choose a career that I like enjoy versus just like make money. Um, That's a huge disconnect. But like not just the privilege of being a software engineer, but the privilege of being a software engineer in Silicon Valley where there is quite a lot of jobs. And I I get the impression that that might not be the same everywhere. Yeah, that's a good point, Shirley. We we often drift into that. We forget our own privilege here and just working or having worked for good tech companies and making good salaries. Like, yeah, it's hard to remember the early days when we were all scrabbling and we didn't know if we were going to make it. We didn't know if we were even supposed to be software engineers. So yeah, thanks for reminding us of that. That's it's always good to, to keep us grounded. I actually have a follow-up question of, um, because I've been basically out of, out of like full time for four years now. Um, and so, and I haven't, well, I did one job interview in the four years that I've been freelancing, but other than that, I haven't like looked for any jobs. One of the things that I feel like really, it's, it's, it's not a real reason that keeps me from going back to a full-time job, but it is like something that I feel like the weight of, which is, um, I always, and maybe this is because I was only ever at full-time job when I was quite junior, but I always feel the weight of, um, feeling like I had to start over like hustling for the first year and really like building up my reputation for the first year. Um, to then like be able to get the kind of projects or like the rapport that I would need to like feel comfortable in like a company. And I, I, I was curious about whether you feel that like, do you feel that way when you're like thinking about leaving, when you're like interviewing at a new place, like when you're starting? Um, Cause that, that kind of actually is one of the reasons that keeps me from going back to a full-time job. I'm like, I don't want to, I am too old to put in that, those hours. <laughs> You've gotten used to the freedom. <laughs> I know. I, I really like the freedom. And I sorry, I shouldn't say that it's the number of hours, but it's like working like on best behavior, working really, really like working at like 110 just to like kind of build my reputation. I totally like resonate with this. Like, I think that was like such a huge fear for me. Like have a very nice, have an amazing team. I, I like click well with them. Like, and I'm not sure if I'm going to click well with this new team. And I'm going to have to work my butt off to like, you know, show that I, you know, I was worth hiring, you know, like wouldn't it suck? Like if a bunch of people interviewed you, like, yeah, this, yeah. this person is great. And then they're like, oh God, this guy just stack overflows everything, which I still do. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but, but I think, I, th- but I think like, that's why the interview is so important. Like when you're interviewing with them, like, I, I like. Like ask ask good questions when you're interviewing to like really get a sense of like what the team culture is like. I, I think it was nice because when I interviewed, like like I could feel like the people were kind of excited for me to come on, you know, like they were excited to have 
like a new team member and stuff like that. So I think one nice thing about working at maybe a company that is a little bit bigger or where there's like um, a lot of other teams that you could possibly move to or maybe the company has many products is that it's a little bit nicer because you've already built a reputation. Like you, people can see all your code. Let's say it's like internally hosted code. So like you, you can, they could see your code they, they you've worked with a lot of people. So they know how you work. They know like what kind of worker you are. Um, people can vouch for you. They can say that, you know, and that stuff. So it makes it like nice where maybe like the one team that you're on, it's not working out, but if you go to a different team, it makes it so much easier to transfer inside the company because like people can, um, yeah, vouch for you, I guess. And it's, it's a little bit easier. You don't have to rebuild that reputation from scratch. Whereas like, yeah, you go to like some brand new company, you don't know anybody. Yeah. It's, it doesn't matter how senior you are, how many years you've been doing it. You still kind of have to do that a little bit. No, it's interesting that you brought that up surely. Cause I think I always forget about the startup cost in a sense. And like yeah. you move to a new role and you go in excited, but also like a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like, you know, why am I here? I'm, if you're at a if you're in a place where I don't know you just feel like a fish out of water um and you always forget about that because a year in you're like oh my gosh look at all the things I've learned I didn't realize I had to learn and you look back and you're like I shouldn't have come in with all of the excitement well not excitement but sort of maybe the the energy that I did at the beginning not realizing that there was all of this context that you're still lacking um so yeah it's not something I would I normally think of changing roles I guess it's just sort of baked into the, you know, the full-time sort of cadence as opposed to thinking about, you know, a different type of opportunity like freelance, like you're, what you're working on. Cheers. I also way. like, cheers. I also like what Stacey was mentioning too, is you don't necessarily need to leave the company, right? Like if you're looking for new challenges or just like seeking something different is in some of these larger companies, there's a lot of uh, mm. opportunity Cheers. 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 <laughs> you can try different roles within a company. Like you can move. And that's happened to a few of you. Like I know it's like you've stayed in the company but moved to different roles. Augustus, you even just mentioned working on one area of like a marketing area to like the web application. Jem ran away from his manager as quick as possible, which is a terrible. choice. Yeah, he was terrible. You know, and now he's doing uh, more infrastructure work. Stacy, I think the word on the street is you might have just moved into a new role. This is true. <gasps> so, so yeah, I started working on Bitbucket Cloud when I was at Atlassian. When I started Atlassian, I moved to um, a front-end platform uh, team, uh, and then now I'm moving to Trello in November. <gasps> congrats. Congrats. Very exciting. Uh, but yeah, no, congrats. That's exciting. But like, Thank I you. think that's really cool, too, is sometimes even just moving into a different role or different team in a company and really get at some of those things. Like I said, challenges, like it's mm -hmm. just like a, but I love what you said, Stacy is like, you don't necessarily have to prove yourself from zero. Yeah. It's also beneficial to the companies as well. Cause it's easier for them to think to hire internally than it would be to hire externally in terms of you have sort of a history with the company and you have like a, a majority of the context too. So that's one way I guess they might try to, um, like if you talk to someone about leaving, they might suggest, oh, but have you just considered other opportunities within the same company? Oh, cheers. Cheers. Mar Mars, this is, uh, this is something I brought up over the years. And it's, it still drives me bonkers that this is still a thing. We still have to tell people about this. But yes, it is so much cheaper to give the existing person there a raise 
in a new opportunity or a new a new role or something at the company than it is for them to leave and you hire somebody else. The like the math doesn't make sense, but still companies will let let you go for I don't know, I'll keep it low for like $20,000 or something, which in the Bay Area software isn't that big of a variance. But you'll lose someone like Augustus over what is not a large amount of money to the company. And just because they don't want to give you a raise, they're like, well, these are the salary bands and these are the roles. And it just it just makes zero mathematical sense for what it costs to hire someone to replace Augustus and his years of knowledge or any engineer. But like companies still do that. This is still a thing that like we just don't see the value in. It, it doesn't make sense. To be fair, I don't I've never run my own company. I don't do the books. I don't see the numbers, but from a engineering standpoint, it, yeah, it just just pay your existing people more or find a new opportunity for them rather than them leave. It, it is definitely very expensive to go through recruiting process. When I go from ground zero to hiring a new engineer on the team, that's an expensive process. I can't give figures because I actually don't really know. I just know it's expensive in the sense that you've got my, my time, you've got engineers time to interview, you've got recruiters helping. There's all these things that like, that's a costly process. And it's not like you just do that for a couple hours and you found the right person. It takes a long time. So now that's costing the business because you're having to find this person and, you know, to fill a gap that you've needed for a while. Right. So I think it is really important. Yeah, not only not only all of those hours, but like the 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 person's role that like isn't there anymore and then the onboarding that you have to go through. Um I always feel like it's that the company has like a weird sense of pride that's like, "Oh, if they didn't want to stay here for this amount of money, they wouldn't <laughs> want to stay anyways no matter what amount we give them." It's like how I read into those situations. <laughs> to be fair, though, is when I'm hiring, I want people who want to be there too. I don't want them to be underpaid, but I also don't want them to always be chasing that, you know, whatever, like $5,000 raise or whatever it is. I want them to enjoy the work and I want them to be bought in the team. But I also understand they need to be valued and paid appropriately. So it, it kind of goes both ways. I don't know. I'm just trying to speak from that the company side a little bit, yeah. but like I agree with you, Shirley. <laughs> I think I only have purely the IC perspective, and I don't have the manager perspective, and so I'm just speaking from the IC perspective of like every time I interact with those sort of, or like hear stories about that, the like feel I get. This has been like such a good discussion because Ryan, you're bringing the manager's perspective, which we often don't hear. It's easy to say from an IC, it's like yeah, pay us more and all these things, but. Your, your job, part of your job is retaining the people you have. So you've thought about this a lot over the years about like how to provide the people that are under you the best the best uh, chances going forward to, to be their best selves. And I, that, uh, again, you're my friend and a manager and a good manager. But that's why you're a good manager, though. You're not instinctively hostile. Like, surely, like you're saying companies have egos and they're like, oh, if they're leaving, it's not me. It's obviously they're getting paid more to go here or something else. Whereas, Ryan, your perspective as a good manager is, well, what can I do to get them to stay? Can we create these roles and can we find a salary increase if we need? Or what can we do to get them to stay rather than like, okay, they're, they're already gone. And sometimes it doesn't work, though. Like, that's okay, too. Sometimes maybe there is a better opportunity. Cheers. Cheers. Somewhere else. Cheers. And that's, that's fine. I, uh, there was 
Another piece of advice I got early on in my career that I wanted to mention, um, and I think this is a good place, which is uh, I had a really great manager for my first job out of college. I, I'm like really grateful that I had that experience um, because then I now I know what like a great manager is like. Um, and when I was thinking of, when I was considering, um, and it's kind of like the the relationship that you've described, like Jem and Ryan, like where it was like very friendly when we, we had like weekly one-on-ones where we didn't even necessarily talk about work. So we had like built a great amount of trust. Um, and when I was considering leaving, I felt comfortable enough with him to tell him that I was considering other opportunities. Cheers. 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 And the thing that he said to me was, um, he said something along the lines of, as your manager and a representative of the company, I'm, I, I'm like obligated to say like, stay, you know, like, or at least give me the opportunity to counter offer. But as your friend and mentor, I want to say like, you know, you don't feel, you don't need to feel any sense of loyalty to any company because a company will never be loyal to you. Um, which I feel like was such a, um, like the company as an entity, not like individuals in it. Um, and that, that was such like a, like a mind blowing kind of like ground, like it was such a mind blowing piece of advice to me because I feel like especially in Silicon Valley tech, we get kind of brainwashed into the whole, like, your company is family and, like, we got great culture and don't betray us, like, loyalty. Um, And so for him to tell me, like, a 23-year-old me, like, fresh out of college without knowing anything, that, like, it's okay, like, you don't have to feel a sense of obligation or loyalty like you should do what's best for you that's really helped me kind of make my decisions uh, like really helped me since cheers to that that. yeah also can we celebrate like great managers i Mm -hmm. like it just makes such a difference in your daily lives yes yes i'll tell you just like right now my current my current manager i haven't switched teams yet but my current manager's like he's a really good manager and think about the managers that you have during this pandemic time and during times of like a lot of like emotional and psychological stress that are outside of the company that are like unprecedented things that we've never really gone through before to have a manager that not only like uh, recognizes that work can be stressful, but is recognizing that out- things outside of work can also be really hard and be empathetic and check in on you all those kinds of things like those are the best managers they they actually care about you as a person yeah i actually stayed and i'm still in contact with that manager i think it's been eight years no six six and a half years later and like every once in a while like every year or so you just like check in and be like hey shirley how you been like um do you want to catch up like it's just such good genuine um yeah, like he was just so good. So before we get into picks, what advice would you give someone who's maybe in that, like Mars said, that six months, maybe they're like one or two months into that six months where they're thinking about leaving. What advice would you give someone that's in that state of mind where they're possibly thinking about looking for new opportunities? Cheers. 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 I think sometimes you can always, you can think that the grass is greener. That's such like a silly phrase, but like you just assume it's going to be better wherever you go. And I guess to kind of like 
think think that through a little bit. Like a lot of problems are universal problems wherever you go. Companies, a lot of companies have politics. A lot of companies have bureaucracy. A lot of companies have bad managers. Um, so it's it's really good to like, I guess, think through that and then. Um, Maybe when you're interviewing, make sure the things that are really bothering you about what's happening currently that you want to try and get away from, make sure that those are the things you ask about in the next interview to, to make sure that you're not going into the same set of things. Yes. Heavy plus one, Stacey. Well said. Well said. Also, if, if you're leaving, if you go to a bunch of jobs and you're like, ah, I keep quitting jobs because, you know, it's just a bunch of dickheads working there and you do that over multiple jobs, maybe... <laughs> <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe you're the boss. Yeah, maybe you're the dickhead here. Like, it, be introspective. Like, <laughs> that that was the the less kind way. So. Yeah, kind of like I I don't know that I have like a concrete piece of advice, but very similar to what Stacy's saying, it just involves like a lot. When you figure out that you're not happy, to sort of just reflect a lot, like why aren't you happy? What like you really need to identify sort of like the source of the problem. And then for me, it's always been like talking to a lot of people and maybe that's just how I process, but it's like people at the company, like, you know, can, can they provide another perspective or another solution, whether it's like change roles or talk to your manager or talk to HR, depending on the situation and talking to people outside the company too, who have no perspective on it, like really close friends who might know you, who might recognize patterns, who might be like, oh, you say this, but you really mean this, like, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so not a super concrete piece of advice, but just like spend the time really reflecting and, and figuring out like what it is that's really going to make you happy in the next, in the next role and what it is about the current one that that's not working correctly. I mean, I would definitely plus one the idea of speaking up or sharing with others. Like I think too often, or maybe it's just me personally, sometimes I hold all that in and just kind of bottle it up. But I think it's really helpful to lean on, you know, a fellow colleague, maybe your manager, like Jem said, maybe you can't trust them and can't say that. And that's, that sucks that, you know, you should question that in general, but have those conversations with people that you trusted. Yeah. Like Mars said, is like, they might know you really well. And maybe it's, it, they can help you through that. I think sometimes speaking it out loud can really help make the decision come to light. My, my advice for, I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet because, you know, I tend to get loquacious. Uh, my advice for quitting, don't quit until you have another job. Like, I know you're like, it's it's so much, it's probably like uh, really cathartic to rage quit sometimes. But like, I'm out, flip the bird to your manager and walk out. But <laughs> like, be, be smart, be rational about it. Don't quit until you have the other job already. I know it's silly advice, but I, I still have to tell people this. Well, actually, I think something you said in there is really smart, though. Like, um, well, whatever, everything you say is really smart. But one thing that sticks out <laughs> is like, be rational. Like, take your emotional response to something, and like, you know, give it a little bit of breathing space. Whether you know, like, don't rage quit, but also like, if you're having an emotional reaction to something, it's like figuring out why you want to leave. Like, take the time to figure out what the logical reasons behind that are. Ooh, it's like the jobs version of the rage email. Like if you write a really emotional email, you should sit on it for like a night and then hit send. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> One advice that I'll give is, yeah, I think for me, my, leaving my first job was really, really hard. And I was, whenever I went to interviews, I was really torn about juggling work and like actually spending time to like study for interviews. And uh, I was talking to my manager, uh, one of my old managers about it, and his telling. And one piece of advice he told me was, um, it's important to know that like looking for a job 
is like a full-time job and you're gonna have to make some sacrifices you know especially like in tech I, th- I feel tech is like there's so much opportunity but it's also so competitive so like definitely like you know be willing to like make the commitment like once you've like I, I definitely plus one everyone else like really understand why you want to leave the job but once you do it's a it's a commitment you know like don't slack on it don't just think you know what i'm just gonna take this call do this interview see and if it and if it it works out it works out or something is like no if you want that job study for it like really work hard for it i kind of echo what everybody's saying um and especially kind of what jem was saying about like but instead of having another job lined up having a plan lined up with like yes. especially a financial plan because that's that's the thing that i think makes it really makes or breaks the like quitting a job to do your own thing if you have the runway or not Yes. One thing to add to is sometimes you do need that job lined up because like, unfortunately, sometimes like I'm American now, but like I've been on a visa, Mm -hmm. right? And like that actually makes things harder too. When you're an immigrant and you're on a working visa, that makes it a lot harder. And there's there's stipulations to that. And it it does make things a lot harder when you're looking for a new role. I guess I should have said opportunity there instead of role. Cheers. 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 In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we love to share things that we've each found interesting and would like to share with you all. Let's start off and share them. Shirley, since you're officially brand new to the panel, what's what kind of picks do you have for us as an official panelist? Oh my god, I'm a panelist. <laughs> She's a panelist. <laughs> She's a panelist. I'm a panelist. Except I think the last episode... Uh, is the episode that I was a guest on and I shared four because I thought I wasn't gonna like come back for another year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of felt guilty there and was like yeah we just gotta get her on <laughs> um, so I have a measly two today compared to my four last time <laughs> um so the first one is uh I pre-cleared this I asked if I could share something of my own Um, which is (laughs) uh, I uh, just last week published a new project called uh, makemyvotecount.party. That's the URL. I did not know that dot party was an extension. Um, Best URL. I love it. I know. I love it. I did not know that. I really want it now. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, But it is my latest self-motivated or what I now call self-inflicted project. (laughs) Um, where I am um, visualizing data around voting and participation um, and voter suppression um, in this upcoming election and also uh, for a few weeks after. Um, I'm really proud of it uh, for many reasons, personal and also from like a data perspective and also from like a citizen perspective. I did not know how elections worked before this project and that was that was one of the big reasons why I was working on it. Um, but I, I, the premise of the project is bite-sized charts for bite-sized actions. Um, and so it is uh, a lot of tiny little data stories with tiny little recommended actions at the end. Um, and so very proud of it. So I had to share. Um, And the second thing is, uh, I think I'm really late to the game, but uh, we just finished watching The Good Place. And oh my God, it was so good. (laughs) 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 
We binged the whole four seasons in like two weeks. Wherever we could sneak it in and I bawled, like ugly cried on the last episode. Um, I did not expect this comedy to make me cry so much. So that is my pick. It was so good. So well written. Mars, what do you have for us? Ooh, let's see. The first thing I have is an article called The Widening Responsibility of Front-End Developers. And I know we've all seen many articles that are like front-end development is, you know, the, respons- the responsibilities are widening, you know, essentially. Um, <laughs> but I really like this one a lot because it did a really, it had a really succinct way of describing sort of like where we as front-end developers like sit in between users and um and sort of like the rest of the technology and the platform and sort of just talking about how like we are on the front lines between the things that we're building and the people we're building it for and not just that we have to deal with so many browsers and so many different permutations but also like all of the users that we deal with we have there's like a large landscape of users it's like kind of the wording anyways it was it was really good because it goes into sort of like the philosophical like this is why we do front end and then also goes into the technical later on about like this is all of the technology we have to deal with now um and introduced some new acronyms i hadn't heard before so uh <laughs> like mean which was I, I can't like Mongo Express Angular and Node. Uh, and then the second one is is the I don't I probably recommended this before, but it's a mask company called Happy Masks, and I really really like them. They're super comfortable. Um, they're N99, and they like have a nose bridge, and they just I don't know they they look pretty cool. Um, and I like that they protect uh, other people, and they also protect you, and they fit really well. So just putting that out there. Yeah, what do you have for us? I have three picks today. My first pick is a show uh, I've been watching with my wife on Netflix called Cobra Kai. Uh, it's interesting because, one, it tells the story. It's like the backstory, or it, it's more like the, not backstory, the, uh, what's like post-movies called? You know, if something's pre... Sequel? It'd be, pre- yeah, cool? sequel. Sequel. It, it's Sequel's sort of... after, though. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it is. Oh. So it follows the events of The Karate Kid, roughly the first movie, which is like a film I saw uh, growing up, much later, obviously, because, you know, I'm young. Uh, <laughs> Jim Young. <laughs> Jim Young. <laughs> but it, it's it, it's a delightful, not delightful, that's, that's probably the wrong word. Good Place is delightful. Season one was delightful. Cobra Kai is, uh, it just follows the story of, like, the bad guy protagonist from the first film and kind of like spins that out into its own narrative and then it comes back to the main character but what's really interesting about Cobra Kai is it was originally a YouTube show it was a YouTube original it was their first one it didn't do that well on YouTube and so Netflix picked it up and it it turns out it's pretty popular it's it's uh season three is coming soon which is really exciting uh which is amazing it just shows like you know different platforms have different audiences and it's an all-around like just really compelling show to watch. I, I'm surprised. I, I didn't think I'd be in any shows about karate. My second pick is my Valley Silicon pick. That is the part of the show where I highlight things that only exist because we get paid, as Shirley pointed out, too much money in Silicon Valley. This is why Jem wants to get more money. That's literally <laughs> why I leave companies. I, I come across my own picks. And I'm like, I can't afford that. So I'm just going to keep working my way up until I can. So the question I have for you today is, what's in your drink? Yes, there's some sort of hard alcohol or something, but what keeps it cold? Is ice. It... Are we are we going with the fancy ice today? Oh yeah, it's fancy ice time again. I haven't done it in like two years. There's there's a uh, a 
Luxury Ice Company. I feel like I've picked this one before, but I couldn't find it. I love that there's Luxury Ice. Like that in itself. Yeah. I don't even understand this concept looking at their website. I'm sorry. You have to explain it to me in like really dumb language. I mean, it's called Glacé. I, I don't know how to pronounce the umlaut over the, over the A, but I'll say it's Glacé. It's Luxury Ice. And for, uh, I think it's 25 cubes of, oh, sorry. G cubed pieces of very clear ice. It is a measly $325. I mean, but can you put a price on frozen water? Can you? Yeah, you can put water in your refrigerator, but it won't be luxury ice. What? This is worse than when people bottled air from mountains and sold it for $10. (laughs) I'm not sticking up for any of this because I think it's ridiculous, but there is a technique to getting that full clear ice. But to this point, I'm ordering, paying that price one time and then using them and I have nothing to show for after the fact. Normally, you would buy a tray that would make the ice continually. This is weird. I don't know. It's literally just ice that disappears after you use it. There's a tab that says responsible luxury. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing says responsible luxury like freezing some water and then paying... A bunch of money to get it shipped to you because that's something you don't have the capability of doing. That's what. What are the logistics around the shipping? Like, how do they make sure the ice doesn't melt? Is it then like shipped in more ice? Like, dry. <laughs> it's shipped in luxury dry ice. <laughs> Freaking sights on there. Oh boy. Anyways, that that is my pick. Uh, Ryan, you, you silicon valley, you valley silicon yourself by uh, just saying, just buy a machine to do it for you. So. <laughs> No, no, no. Next I didn't pick. say a machine. There's trays. You can buy trays. Of, I've, I've seen them. I don't have them. But this is hilarious. Like, the fact that you're buying this and it just disappears. And then, basically, you got to go back to them and buy them again. It's like the lazy way of getting ice. Because you don't make the ice. <laughs> Talk about... Sorry. Sorry I'm ripping into this website so much. But for such a luxury website, their buy now button is so... <laughs> Web 2.0? PayPal? Oh, nice. Oh, honestly, I thought that was a donate button. Is that because oh, yeah. you're buying <laughs> stuff right now? No, I'm looking at the, yeah, I'm looking at their products page. Oh man. Everybody send send Shirley money so she could buy some of this. Oh yes, please. I'm the poorest out of this whole panel. <laughs> Alright, Augustus. What do you got for us? Ooh. Yes. So for my pick, um, so recently I went to Crater Lake. I did a little road trip in Oregon. Uh, so Crater Lake is my first pick. Uh, there's just like not really much to do during COVID. So, uh, so, uh, so I, I, so, so it was just like a trip that we planned and I, I highly recommend it. It's just so gorgeous. Uh, uh, there's like national parks like Yosemite and Crater Lake is just so beautiful. Um, so yeah, definitely check that out. And then I have two more picks that I did during the road trip because it's like a six-hour drive from the Bay Area. Uh, the first one is um, this podcast called In the Dark. Uh, it's a, this investigative podcast that uh, really it talks about these uh, murders or like these cases. And it's interesting because they're not like murder mysteries. You know, they're not like mystery cases. This podcast goes into like the investigation and talks about like what went into the investigation and talks a little bit about corruption of law enforcement. So I thought it was just like very fascinating, like what is happening in the world. So definitely check 
check that out. And my last pick is this Netflix show called Queen's Gambit. It's so it's just so well done. Uh, uh, not to spoil anything, it's about this uh, girl prodigy who's brilliant at chess. I think it's based on a book, and it's just such a well done uh, show. So yeah, that's where I'll leave it. <laughs> All right, Stacy, what do you have for us? All right, uh, first pick is. Um, Sufjan Stevens came out with a, an amazing new album uh, recently, and Lamentations is one of my favorite songs uh, on that. It's a very different genre from all of his, I mean, all of his albums are pretty different from each other. Um, this one's like electropop. Um, put some headphones on and go for a walk outside, listen to the whole thing. It's really good. Um, he said that he wanted to respond to changes in the political climate and changes in human engagement. Uh, influenced by the internet and technology so it's it's a very topical topical album um, second pick is um, a book called solutions and other problems by Ali Bosch uh, it is uh, you probably are familiar with her work she uh, forever grow had a uh, one of the first like comic blogs uh, called hyperbole and a half um, so she's the one that uh, the the like all the things meme. <laughs> that's that's fr- from her. Oh. Um, she kind of went quiet for a really long time uh, on the internet, but she came back and published this amazing uh, comic book. It's really it's it's very wonderful. Uh, so it's also one of the heaviest books I've ever <laughs> physically heavy. Like it's just so full of color and like comics and everything that it's just like actually extremely heavy. Um, but anyway, my friend David recommended that to me and, and bought me that book and it was, it made me very happy. Uh, and then you can buy that book on my third pick bookshop.org, which, um, you can pick a local bookshop in your area. And so then the pro, some of the proceeds will go to them. So it kind of helps independent books, oh, booksellers nice. so and, cool. and authors. Um, so I highly recommend ordering if you're going to if you buy physical books, like do it through that and help keep some of these, these small, um, independent bookstores alive especially during this time honestly that's That's great all right i have two picks uh for this episode one is topical by the time this episode comes out it'll be after the election but this documentary called the art of the protest is so good i really really enjoyed it it's a documentary that is very relevant because of the political climate that we're in right now in the United States, but it's it's around the collective graffiti group called In Decline that produced it. They interview a lot of really big name artists that are very familiar if you follow a lot of street art, graffiti, even some of like punk music. There's there's just a ton of different people that are interviewed in this documentary. But it it's really interesting how they talk about how the art can really influence change, especially in a political climate. So I think it's really, really worth watching. It's like an hour long. It's not on any of the major streaming platforms, but they have it available on Vimeo for free to watch. So I highly recommend going and checking that out. And then my second pick is a Apple TV Plus or Apple Plus. I can never remember, but it's one of their originals. It's called Home Before Dark. It's a murder mystery show that tells the story through a 10-year-old girl who is an aspiring journalist. At first, I thought the concept might be a little bit cheesy coming from this perspective of a 10-year-old. It just kind of seemed a little bit weird. But it ended up being such a really cool way of telling the story. 
and it's it's this whole murder mystery. I think it's worth checking out. Uh, really good show. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to today's episode. You can find us at frontendhappyhour.com. You can subscribe to us on really whatever you like to listen to podcasts on. And you can follow us on Twitter at FrontendHH. Any last words? Do you know what the best fruit for opportunities is? I'm so curious. Grapes. If you get a bad one, there's another opportunity. That's a joke from Dimitri Martin. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Cheers. 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 Cheers.